No challenges remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Here is the second half of our roundtable with myself, Rima Bulail, Tumani Carriol, and Alex Gruskin. Enjoy. One other sort of 2021 type thing which I wanted to cover, and I'm not sure how, how big a deal this is or how not big a deal. This WTA rebrand, which they rolled out this week, a uh, new logo, a lot like the old ATP logo in terms of player silhouette serving or hitting an, an overhead or something basically a ponytail version of that the big exciting news is they got rid of the nonsense premier mandatory premier five premier and international designations uh to go to uh just completely copy that what the men have and go to you know 1500s 250s even if those aren't numbers that actually mean anything because those in ATB tournaments describe the number of ranking points you get for winning the tournament. Those numbers have no actual meaning in the ATP. It's like, you know, when I'm trying to think of an example of this, it's like when like KFC stops becoming confined chicken, it's just KFC. Like the number, letters don't, that's not the best example. Or how about like, $5 you know I mean? foot long like, is not a thing anymore. It's like, that's actually not a thing, but they still sell it as the $5 foot long at Subway, even though it's like, sure. And seven. it's like, and, it, and it's like nine ninety five or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah that, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. So a dollar store where nothing actually costs a dollar. It's kind of what the, the WTA <laughs> exactly. is becoming. That's a so, really strange part of the, the state, I must say, by the way. Right. You, <laughs> cool. I've taken you to some dollar stores in, in <laughs> West Virginia. You've been. But yeah, uh, what do you what do you think of this WTA? And obviously, there's this whole sort of marketing campaign with it, which their marketing campaigns I feel like have just been bad for the last decade or so. Since Strong is Beautiful, they've been forgettable, and then they need to pay some real money and get a real marketing firm in there. I think. But but what do you what do you think of of this of the rebrand in terms of the restructurishness of the tour, and also them very clearly being like, look, like even if it doesn't actually fit our size, we're gonna wear these ATP shoes for a while. To try to make people more balanced and try to to help tennis literacy, I guess, if nothing else, to sort of show what we are. Because I don't think anybody thinks Premier, Premier Five, Premier Mandatory International was was uh, understandable to any sort of casual fan. Gruskin, why don't you go first? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I think something, if anyone has listened to uh, me on the show before, I like to talk about the next-gen guys in particular, and I just think the ATP nailed that branding. They don't get a lot right, but the next-gen ATP, it was very yeah. simple. It's an easy concept. You're 21 or younger. You're going to have the chance to compete for this year-end championship when we're trying to elevate the profiles of the rising stars on tour. And, you know, the immediate effect. Hyun Chung wins the inaugural event, Australian Open semifinals the next year Tsitsipas same deal the next year Yannick Sinner we saw what he did in 2020 and so it just clearly worked and like the WTA you look at the names who have won slams obviously Sviantek of late Sofia Kennan Naomi Osaka Bianca Andreescu we know who they are because we're nerds and we all read Colette Lewis and like we heard she won that ITF B1 in 2016 and we were like, oh, that's someone for us to take notice of. But to a casual tennis fan, you probably didn't know Iga Sviantek as well as you should have uh, heading into that French Open. And so I think any sort of rebranding, you know, it's a little cliche. It's still the WTA. That's the, you know, the big tent on top still remains. But I, I see no reason why not to. And 
again, synergy, synchronization, Tennis United was a thing for a hot second during this quarantine period. All of this works closer to that. And I just think when terms can become synonymous, when it's easier to follow the sport, that's just a net benefit for everyone. Yeah, one thing I, you sort of talked about awareness levels. And one thing that struck me with this new logo, which has, which went from just being three letters to being a tennis player on top, they must have had like really bad brand recognition. Yeah. People must have seen WT logo and not known that it was tennis. To have to add a tennis player to that, that's, that's the reason you add a tennis player to your logo if people don't know it's tennis. And so, yeah, the tour, as much as Serena for sure is a big icon and, you know, at Osaka, Sharapova in this conversation as well in recent years, sure, like the WTA as a brand has not been especially, you know, strong, which is goes, which goes to the whole sort of, you know, slams Uber Alice conversation we've been having before, you know, like about the, the cannibalization that way. Reem, what do you think of this, of this rebrand from whatever angle you want to take it? Uh, first, uh, in terms of the structure of the tournaments and stuff, I actually don't agree that they should have just stuck with the same thing because th- that's not what the points are. Like, I think it's no, what the points are. Like, yeah. I, I, for me, it, there's a reason why they're called a thousand because you get a thousand points. So whatever the equivalent for the WTA should have been, even if it's a ridiculous nine sixty, make it whatever, or change the nine sixty. Make it a WTA nine hundred. Yeah, just make yeah, it the actual number. Or just make it, it worth a thousand points. Like, is it that hard to just be like, you know, what, we're just gonna do a thousand, make it easier? Whatever mm. for me, it, either way is fine. I'm I'm not big on just doing whatever the ATP is doing. I think yeah. I think they are different tours. I think actually there are many things that WTA does better than the ATP. For example, you're talking about branding. Maybe the ATP did proper branding for next gen but you know what the women do more press and they're more open in press so we get to know them better than a lot of these kids like i went to every next gen except and the atp has atp has no courtney equivalent that's very true but also like i went to the first two next gen ones i was in milan for the chung one and i was in milan for whoever won the second one was it such a Okay, yeah, I was there for that. Okay, uh, um, and and they put them together in press conferences, and I'm telling you, you couldn't even hear them. They did. We're a small group of journalists. We're in a small room. They didn't have microphones for them. You have Tiafo just literally giggling for 45 minutes. You have someone like Herkash who was not even told what to say. Like he can't say two words. I love the guy, but he. Could, I did a video with him. I tried to edit it. I had nothing. Like, it was one of the, it, it was unbelievable both years. And then they they had the farce in the first year as well with the with the whatever the party the, the, the draw ceremony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I have to say that it's not as simple as okay, let's brand them and know who they are. It's about telling these players promote your tour. And I have to say that the women put in more effort. They put in more. They definitely put in more effort, and they are more open. And you have someone like a Pliskova who doesn't care who she's talking about. She's a straight shooter. She says whatever. Like you have so many players. I mean, they, I sat with Osaka in Beijing after the Serena issue, and it wasn't even a difficult interview to get. I just sent a message to her agent, and I got it. Uh, same when Kerber became number one for the first time. Same with this and this and this. There isn't this whole. Let's make them unreachable, you know, whereas how many of us are going to request even a Stefanos Tsitsipas after a big win and directly have the ATP make it happen? You know, it's a different culture, I have to say. 
So t- we, anyway, yeah, I, we, I digressed it, a bit, but uh, and it's 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 sort of interesting when you see it sort of come back around. And uh, there have been stories about this, like in Madrid, we talked about recently, sort of being a term that not many, all the big players go to largely, at least the men, definitely. Um, but not uh, always a full media contingent. And there was I mean, times, maybe it was, I forget which term it was, people were like quietly going around and be like, does anyone want to talk to Zverev? Or someone well, actually, like, I, that happened thing. with me. I was, I, yeah. uh, an ATP communications manager came to me in Madrid, like, can you, can you come to Zverev's press conference? And I was like, no, oh my, I don't need him. Oh my gosh, two years in a row, should, this is the US Open, so the ATP was sort of running comms, it, or doing a lot of comms work at the US Open, even if it's not their tournament. Two years in a row, the most fascinating match of the year is like a late finish with an ATP like big star guy. One, the first year, Medvedev during his middle finger match, they don't bring him into press. Or he's like, they were like, well, there were no requests. It's like, oh my God, be a little proactive and notice like what's happening here. Just because nobody thought to fill out the, you know, your 10 step form doesn't mean there's no interest in him. And then this year with Sitsipas, when Sitsipas blew his lead from 5 1 and all his match points, they didn't bring him into press either. Like they're just making it hard on themselves and that will eventually, that, Lack of media friendliness will come back to bite them. I know, like, Cracked Rackets listeners know, like, you've gotten lots of great WTA content from them being open and accessible this fall. That's uh, not you, you just nailed it for the ATP. That, sorry, yeah. that's what I wanted to just mention as well. Is it's like I had the chance to see Reem. I had the chance to see uh, Tumaini, and I, I don't remember if you popped in or not, but I got to do the two events at the end of the year on the WTA Tour, and it's just like I filled out those same requests for the ATP, and not only did I not even get a rejection, they just didn't even respond. Like, they didn't have the courtesy of that, and do you want more people to cover your sport? If so, you probably need to let them into the press room, and it's just... It's so frustrating as well. One of my wish lists for 2021. Just like make it a button, a click on the website. Hey, Alex Gruskin, Crack Rackets is applying for credentials, particularly if it's Zoom credentials, at every ATP tournament and every WTA tournament during the 2021 season. I will right. be there if you'll have me. Yeah, to your point, I, I do think, especially as we're in this sort of Zoom press ad infinitum, like I, are any of us going to Australia? Raise your hand if you're going to Australia. Nope, I see no hands. We're not going to Australia. Like... Indian Wells, maybe. Who knows? Like, I, but that's I. I can't imagine why I would go to Indian Wells at this point if I can't get any access to anybody, and we're still in the same world. So yes, there should be something like a season pass to yeah. you know credentials. I shouldn't have to get you know reapply, even if it's not that hard. I mean, but for someone like Alex who's you know breaking in, I gave you a bunch of like email this person, email this person for each week, and each week is a different person. And yeah, it can be more centralized and more more approved, whatever. And also, like I just think I think the tours can go so much more above and beyond about giving better access during this tough time when their ratings are suffering, when we're having a tough time selling sports stories, when there's all this other stuff going on in the world, especially I'm, I was thinking this during, um, what was it? I guess French open. Yeah. In French open, there was this day, right? When players got tested and they had to wait in the hotel for a day because the results were going back out at Australia. We're going to have two weeks of this where players are going to be stuck in their rooms for 19 hours at a time. Like, like really encourage them, incentivize them to do a lot of interviews. Like, long stuff like podcasts crack rackets as, as he points to his logo whatever else like all of our stuff like all the players from your from serena williams to zarina diaz they will all be in these hotel rooms <laughs> there and available just like just let us at them you know like have them do stuff that like helps promote the game because they are you know there and the game needs help right yeah. and they'll say oh it's not in the rules we can't make them do things that aren't in the rules and this is where tennis players again have to stop being so spoiled and start thinking about the tour and there are certain players who are good about this get, get wide-ranging rant and dragging happening here but like the <laughs> brian brothers who just left the tour were notably great about going above and beyond and like doing like 
long press conferences after every match and sort of and you're doing like all sorts of sponsor visits and like their band would play and like they would like hit extra balls to people and do lots of autographs and like those boys hustled and i say boys they were like each 60 years old at this point but like they really worked hard at doing this and i you just see so uh, so little, little buy-in from players now you see so little investment in making this better and i just, just hope this this is a time we can transform the culture in some way gruss can go yeah. ahead yeah if i could just throw in i because you know you guys are the high rollers i happen to you know you talk to people challenger level players guys straight out of college or people who are just mm-hmm. working their way up to the futures or they just don't even know better that they can refuse to do media and they're outstanding uh you know last night we did this new segment which all of you can go see at our website crackrackets.com click the clack uh and it's a segment we're doing and it's called you know very working title but it's called shot for shot and in this program we had mikhail torpegard who was our second guest after bethany maddox sands and for both of them the idea is i'm going to ask you five funny slash tough questions if you answer them i will take a shot if you do not answer it you're going to take a shot and oh it's a drinking game it's a drinking game and it's to get all these players a little bit looser have them fun i'm going to ask them questions like you know we all are tennis players you're going to come off the court and say wow that guy was a effing scrub like i can't believe i lost to this player or who is that person for you? And some of the answers we've gotten have been very, very fun. Yeah, the the serious questions, the ones you want to know. And, you know, the reason I say this is players are willing to do things like that. It's just like I feel like half the time the message doesn't get through. Like I, you try and contact a top 50 player, you would think they're holding national security secrets. And it's like you're not. Like I'm sorry – uh, Miomir, you know, Miomir Kesmanovic is a bad example because he's come on a Cracked Racket show before. But, like, I'm sorry, random person. Like, just come on the show. Like, you're not too cool to come on the show. And I love a lot of these players, but some of them do have that mentality. I mean, Reem, you know from our group chats and stuff, there have been certainly times when, like, we email somebody and, like, like three agents respond. They're like, well, we'll see if, you know, her yeah. 70th ranked player name can fit you in her busy day for, and not to be as, you know, pompous ass, but like for the New York Times. It's like, okay, I think that 70th ranked player you're mentioning will be just fine doing something. I've had like, a couple of funny on. ones recently. I think one of the funniest ones recently was when I decided to do a whole column on Gael Monfils on Twitch, <laughs> but I was doing it from like the business side of the sport and how like, the other sports have have managed to put actual sports content on Twitch and tennis is only just doing that and they're kind of piggybacking off of Monfisa's following. They're not even doing it themselves. So I contacted Monfis through his agent, who I know Monfis very well, and I know his agent very well. And I was like, hey, like, just give me a few minutes with Gael and anyway, you're, I'm going to be promoting his show. Um, and at the same time, it's good to get some input from him. And it was a whole thing, you guys. And they're like, he doesn't want to do any interviews at the moment. I'm like, yeah, but he, like he's promote, he's has a new show. Like it's good for him for more people to know because not many people knew that thing was happening. Like by the third or fourth episode, that's when a lot of people for were having Andy about Murray. It. it was very under radar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. For having Andy Murray for hours at a time, it was very stealthy. Ex- there show. was so yeah. much content in that thing. Like I, because I followed it from the start, I was like, this, "There's actually a story here." But like, ultimately, I got four answers via email, which clearly Gael has not written, and I used it, which is fine because I didn't. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal for me. But at the same time, this is the typical tennis thing where. Gael is basically spending his entire day on Twitch and he can't spare five minutes to talk to me about his Twitch. Like, it's just one of those things where 
I don't get it. Of course, the ATP has an issue in convincing players to do stuff. Like there have been scenarios where the ATP pitch me someone and then they do it before getting the approval from the agent. So I go to an editor or like a magazine editor and I land the cover for a player or whatever. And then I go back and they're like, oh, yeah, he's not doing it. And so the ATP created a certain culture and now they're suffering from it. You know what I mean? This is the other thing. Yeah. This is other, one other thing. And then to my you, this show's gotten fairly behind the scenes. Like I do think <laughs> that, like the agent thing again. Like players change agents a lot. Like just the other day, I was trying to figure out who some top ten players' agent was, and it had changed at some point this year with like no fanfare, and or agency had changed. Not even just the agent at an agency, but like completely different contacts. And like the tour doesn't have any sort of like index or like site where you can see like who is agent for every player. And this is just folks. This is basic shit. Yeah. This is not hard. But like, but I also understand who's your current this. coach, who's your current agent. But like I know, but like, they don't a want. Bit yeah, of but they don't. Yeah, like, but you, they would. You could do something like have the that. players like be required when they sign into like a tournament, let's say, or or get a new coach. Like like who's your current coach? Who's your current agent? Just like basic like update stuff. Like or like confirm is this still correct? And if not, because like there is some coaching info on there that's like. You know, like, I think it still says that, like, on Serena's page, or at least it did as of, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, her mom ago, is still like, her, her coach. coach was, her yeah. coach was still Richard Williams, and he, like, hadn't been to a tournament in years. And yeah. so, you know, like... No, but I'll anyway. tell you what, the, the workaround for that, because I understand why the agents don't want their contacts out there. The workaround should be, this is the designated ATP person who you can contact to get you in touch with a player. You know what I mean? Sure. Which is Which is ultimately what sometimes we do, right? But, yeah. like... That should be part of their official job description, which they kind of make it seem like they're doing you a favor when you when you get in touch and tell them I want to get when in touch with that player. Their job is to promote the sport in the media. That, exactly. Like, they, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They make it seem like it's this huge favor if I'm like I don't know it's the off season and I want to talk to Karen Khachanov who lives in Dubai and is training and like they'd be like ah oh, let me see let me see if I can text you know. Ultimately, it should be someone's designation. I just want to go back to the credential thing. Like, I cover Formula One once a year. For, I've done that for, like, the past eight years. Yeah. I go to the Abu Dhabi race. And it's a very simple process in the sense of there are some people who have, like, a, a red credential. These are the people who have a full season pass, like, credential. And the people who have green ones are the ones who are like me, who only cover one race a year. It is such an easy process you can with tennis we have an off season they can take an entire month to vet the people who they want to give a season long pass whatever and it's such an easy thing to do i i actually this year i never got the credentials thing for rome me like i've been doing this yeah. for 10 years now every single season and i didn't even get an email from rome i, I never I got proof i never got a proof for bear c I never got into that WhatsApp. Granted, there were certain stories I was working on at the time. Maybe they didn't want focused on, but like I, I never. Which got also my shouldn't be a situation, approval. right? No, like that shouldn't. Not. You shouldn't be in this no. position to begin with. No. So these are not. the kind of things. Like next season, think of that. The, actually, this is the perfect time to implement new protocols for these kind of things. Exactly. This is the thing. Tennis has this had this massive. Deus Ex Machina event in this pandemic happened, right? Where they had a chance to get their house totally in order. And we had we saw a little bit of this early on in in core with the ATP WTA talk, which in its own way was 
as the kids now say, Gretchen, you confirm, sus. Because, like, <laughs> out of nowhere, there was these, you know, like, tweets from, from Federer and this, like, choreographed reply from Rafa. And it was all weird, but it was all sort of, like, encouraging. It was like, oh, wow, things might actually be changing. Things might actually be moving. Might actually be getting somewhere. Did that get anywhere? I mean, we got the, AT, the WTA plagiarizing some tour-level names. But otherwise, no. Like, <laughs> we didn't get much out of it. I mean... I, I, you know, the other thing I say is we're sharing agent bullshit stories. Uh, my favorite one, I was working on a, on a magazine cover story about uh, an athlete. Um, you can figure out who this is if you want to do any work. And they um, were saying, and this athlete was going to be on the cover of this magazine. And could I get an interview with them? And... The, and it was, I was in Miami, and the player was at Miami. I was like, hopefully do it in Miami. They're like, having like, okay, maybe, yeah, we'll see after their next match. If we can do it, yeah, okay, next match. Oh, a few minutes after this, and the player loses, I think, third round of Miami, I want to say, and maybe fourth. And I was like, okay, hey, like, you know, like, I still see them here. Like, they're still at the tournament, like, practicing or something, and they live nearby, and, like, we can do it on the phone or something. And obviously their tournament is, like, they now have this week free. Like, they have the second week of the tournament free. And they're like, you know... They're actually already really focused on the preparations for the French Open. So the French Open's coming up, so we can't do this. Like, it is March. <laughs> like, don't give me French <laughs> Open as an excuse for why you can't do an interview in Miami. Like, come on. Like, who Like who do you think you're – like, and just eh, – anyway, that was that was amusing. Tamani, I feel like I cut you off a few times. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Well, yeah, I haven't spoken in a while, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack to the, the plagiarism part. <laughs> yeah. <go ahead. laughs> with, 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 I must say, like, with the WTA – uh, first of all, like I am so glad that I never have to talk about premiers and premier fives and premier mandatories <laughs> yeah. and to distinguish them and to describe them because bloody hell, I- I'm, I'm over and it. And the international yeah. is the worst. International doesn't read as worst in any kind of logic. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, but, but I that, hate Premier was, 5. But, Premier 5 yeah. for me, sometimes the editor doesn't understand that that 5 is supposed to be there and sometimes he takes it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's one of those yeah. things that what, my also, editor doesn't know much about tennis. So like he would take it out and I'd be like, no, we kind of need but it also, there. But also, this is a question because, and I don't know how this is going to work. I didn't know if I, this is covering the fine print or not for these tournaments. But like, I think the WTA initially thought they would just categorize tournaments into internationals and premieres. And then, like, we wouldn't care if the differences between the three different types of premieres were. And it'd just be, like, international and premier. And those would be, like, it'd be that kind of bifurcation. But we know, and even if they're, I guess, the now the fives, are they going to be thousands? It's like, so does that mean that, like, Miami's going to be the same as Cincinnati now? Or how does that, yeah. what? That's, yeah, so, so Miami, like, you know. Hmm. Well, no, I was going to say, I, I vividly remember Stacey Ellis kind of talking about why they decided that. Because they didn't, because international still s- doesn't sound so less less valuable you know it, it still has, no. has a, a nice ring to it <laughs> so that's why they did it and i imagine that's the same with the different premier categories premier sounds nice regardless of whether you're a premier tournament or a premier mandatory you it has no meaning but do yeah, we know no. now what what's happening because there aren't enough categories between because right. there are four there's supposed to be four categories but there are now three so yeah, what's going on the category with that? somewhere yes yes so now it's just 1500 and i i, I think it's but, I mean, so they're both gonna be thousands even if they don't if there be some thousands not all thousands yeah. will be the same yeah like i think oh, that, yes. yeah <laughs> and it's, it's very stupid like I, I get your point like it's very silly and but I, I guess it also reflects tennis's popularity in a way that of all of the people the small amount of people who actually care about points you know the vast majority of people who follow tennis mm. do they care about the amount of points that even like Nadal gets for winning a, a Masters event. I doubt it. But so, I'm so going to tell they... you something because I am one of those uh, few people who are very affected by the Premier Five 
premier situation. Doha, Dubai, yeah. Because of Doha, <laughs> Dubai. They alternate that status every year. And then one year, the Dubai field is amazing. The other year, it's not. And there's always people asking, how come we don't have top players coming? What's going on? What happened to the field? Why are there no disrespect at all to Sara Irani and Barbara Stritzeva? But that <laughs> final was like a shocker for the tournament because everyone's like, oh, where are the top players and whatever? And I'm like, well, because it's the smaller tournament this year and players usually just want to pick one. So they go to the one where they get more points. So... I am so happy. I hope that I never have to talk about this again. I really hope that they both have the same status, whichever one it is, whether it's a 500 or I don't know what. It, because this whole alternating status thing was a nightmare. And to add on to that quickly, Reem, uh, and I know, as you mentioned, Ben, this pod has been a little insider baseball-y, but like, you know, there's, with all due respect to Blair Henley and Nick McCarville, and there are others who are incredible, and the work they do with tournaments to produce media and all, of, you know, the different uh, social media clips, yada, 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 it's all exceptional. But like, yeah, it's just... There's not enough of it. It's it's too difficult to uh, get these people to sit down for an interview. And like as someone who just started, uh, you know, as the resident young person here on NCR, it's like, you know, uh, you think, oh, well, you know, no one's doing the Federer sit down. No one's done the hour and a half long Federer podcast. No one's done it with Rafa, with Djokovic. Maybe I can be the guy to do it. It's like, no, no, no. It's not that there aren't people trying to do that within media right now. I'm sure you, Reem, you, Tamani, you, Ben, would all sign up for that interview tomorrow the interview's just not out there. And it's just like, as a tennis fan, for fans who are trying to understand why we're talking about this, it's like, it could be a lot easier. Fans could have a much more comprehensive experience as a fan if there were just a few little adjustments, simple adjustments too, here and there. Players are so used to wanting to get paid. They do such a bad job selling, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they're so interested in their own income. They, they're so not tapped into the market and i think these are actually small enough businesses like wta i don't think they have more than 100 full-time employees like it's not that big a company like you know and so i i do think that the more players can be involved and, and shown and as wta as reem said i think does do a better job of this but there are also exceptions like when is the last time like or you know they have these like these photo shoots they do in indian wells every year mm -hmm. like there are players who kind of like big time those like serena never did one of those and so mm -hmm. like the files they have on photos that on file for Serena are like ancient and like don't fit the format of the other ones. And like these other various things where they just like fail to control their people and like really pick their spots to try to ask for favors from the big stars. Like it's, you know, letting the inmates run the asylum kind of in terms of, you know, letting, you know, not having a, a better grasp. And again, that's where I just feel like there should be, there needs to be somehow be some sort of like real power takeover by somebody. I don't know where it comes from the inside, whether it's some sort of PTPA type insurgency or it's, you know, some outside, you know, like, you know, Larry Ellison or like Bezosian figure who comes in and like buys tennis and like just like takes it over and like really runs it like a coherent business. But I, I, I just think that maybe that's a wish for 2021. I think it's a pipe dream, but like something, something to happen dramatic in order to get everything in line because there's just so much. The problem so is the damage is already done. Line. And yeah. I had hope for the younger generation in the ATP. And then I saw how the ATP were giving them the exact same kind of like, they call it protection or whatever, but they became this barrier between the players as well and the media. And a good example is, you know, the Blair Henley piece where they were doing, what was it? Uh, 
the Ohio thing. They were doing O H I O for Ohio or something like that. And then was it Taylor Fritz who was giving her a Taylor Fritz, like, yeah, not into and it, I'm, yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, so this is Blair who's from the tournament. So she's already someone who has pulled. Like, they are the obliged to do that. who is signing team. your checks for the week. Exactly. Be very clear. And look, and look at the attitude he was giving her. I'm not singling him out. I'm not saying he's the only person who's doing it. I'm, but that comes to mind. if you want. For me, that's shocking. First of all, this is Blair, who's like the nicest human. So first of all, what are you doing? Second of all, this again, if Blair from the tournament isn't able to get Taylor Fritz, who, let's be honest, is not a Federer, to do something as simple as that, then can you do, do any of us have a fighting chance in getting anybody in the top 50 to do something with that kind of enthusiasm, unless you have a direct personal relationship with a player. Every single good interview I've ever gotten that required me to like spend time with someone in the off season or whatever was always something I got purely on my own with zero help from the tour. It was always like when I went and spent a day with Stefanos and his training and with his dad and with his brother and, and just an entire day of seeing him train and whatever, that was all me. That was nothing, nothing. That was actually through the resort where he was com- training, you know, like I got it yeah. from that. But ultimately, is the ATP ever going to tell you, oh, by the way, uh, Chapo is spending a um, month in the Bahamas. If you want to fly there, you can spend some time and look at da 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 da. They don't do this stuff. And no. they told the play, and they never urged the players to do it properly. And now even the younger generation, that they, they're already kind of like over it. You know? Well, so many of the same agents and it's the same tour reps. And so, like, it's not, you're not yeah. going, they're not really reinventing the formula. Like, this is not really a media access thing. She doesn't do a ton of, well, she doesn't do a ton of tennis media. But, like, I think the one player who stands out for this for me is Naomi Osaka, who I do feel like is having, like, with her agent, who is IMG, who's a traditional mm-hmm. agency, and Stuart Dugan. Like, she's, like, they're doing, like, they're kind of throwing out the playbook with her in this way that I think is really encouraging. And I hope that more, you know, in terms of like, obviously all the political stuff she's been doing, like that would be so overboten and so taboo with so many other traditional old school sort of tennis thoughts, you know, or playbooks or, you know, whatever ideas. Yeah, I, I, I don't see a lot of that. And that's why it's so exciting for for me when somebody like a uh, Sitsipas, to use him as an example, again, comes along and it's like really different because of his own unique personality is like super engaged in like media stuff and like wants to do media kind of himself mm-hmm. too. It has like a more engaged stuff. Or you see, you know, 10 years ago with Pekovic in that sort of role, who was sort of, you know, stepping out and wanting to be super engaged and stuff. And those players just don't come along very often. And, and yeah, so <laughs> there's been a lot of complaining on this show. Yeah. Anything, anything, anything more, uh, I, I more was... sort of, yeah, go ahead, Tumani. I yeah, I can say, bring, I I, okay, you... I have a question for you guys. Okay, Tumani, you talk and then I'll ask you guys a question. Okay, I was going to say, I, I, I was thinking you'd advertise this as your hope, hopes and dreams for 2020. Yeah. I know. So we have in the, we have, I don't know if you ever saw it, um, uh, Seinfeld has an episode uh, where they make of a holiday in December called Festivus. And one of the, one of the uh, rites of Festivus, the rest of Festivus is an airing of grievances. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we've just had, instead of December, like hope and cheer, we've had a Festivus airing of grievances, which has been cathartic in its own yeah. way, you know, <laughs> Good. This no, is but good honestly, for all of us. listen, the, it's reflective of the of the position we're in at the moment, right? Like we're just being honest. Like yeah. I said, like this this was a year where things were exposed and we're just reflecting on that. So 
Yeah. And just to, to add to that, I don't think that, we're moaning. Game. Yeah, no, oh, it, no, no, it's not the uh, it's not the individuals we've been moaning. There are a lot of fantastic people in the tennis world. You know, Catherine Snead and uh, Alex Pryor at the WTA. For me, in particular, those are two who jump out as they were just like, yeah, go, come do what you got to do. And there are plenty of players as well. Uh, but to again, put it in young person terms, it's the system. We're bemoaning the system. It's oppressing <laughs> us. It's holding us down. And there are just little changes, little tweaks that can be made that will you know we bring them to mind is that it will help everyone uh as a tennis all of us as tennis fans uh enjoy the sport more. yeah i i, I to add to that i do think that like like i said sort of before with this like big big world event of the pandemic tennis had this real chance for reinvention and is missing the moment and that's sad and you instead know, they're just muting us after asking questions on Zoom. Like that's not how, the way to go, you guys. Like this is this is not like you're given a chance to do something properly and then you ask a question, you're immediately put on mute. And you can't even not just follow up, you can't even say thanks. You're literally I give a thumbs up to a player when they're done to be like, Yeah, I heard you. You know what I mean? Like this is not okay. So yeah, no reinvention. So Tamani, what were you gonna say? <laughs> You want to ask a question, I thought, Reem. Yeah, it's your question. Okay, my question is, because I, I, in the column I did last week, which was kind of looking at what the 2021 season could look like, I realized that Roger Federer might actually play in front of empty stands for the first time probably in his life. What do you think that's going to be like for Roger, who literally sells out every single stadium he plays in, at least for the last, like, 15 years? I think he's going to hate it. I remember there was some match. I think I told this story before, like during the sort of talk about empty stadium last year, but there was a match. It was a night session match at the U.S. Open where he was the first night match. And they were doing the transfer between the day session people and the night session people. And it was like really slow turnover. They were slow emptying the stadium and slow getting the stadium refilled. And so Federer played the first like maybe three or five games of the match in Ash in front of like less than 5% of the crowd. And I think he went down like 4-1. He was like... It was like he was, you know, Tinkerbell and the, the applause powered him or whatever. Like he really struggled without that. And I do think that he's somebody, and you know, obviously we said this kind of before, almost all of them were like in the U.S. Open, especially before I was paying closer attention to how the crowdlessness would affect players. Um, they all really did rise to the occasion and all did play pretty well without the crowd. Nobody real, none of the top players really stunk crowdlessly, but I do mm. think Federer um, with no crowd, even when he's reintroducing his RF hats, like... Mm. I'm sorry, if you're, like, a Federer fan who's, like, really excited about this, like, you had your hat already. Like, do you really need to have the right logo on there? Do you feel like you're betraying Federer if you're not paying money to the same company that's paying him? Like, what? And also, spruce up the logo. Get, like, a sans serif or something. Get a new font. Turn the new page, not this literal copy-paste. Again, the lack of originality, the the self-plagiarism the sport is doing of the wrong things, not about it. The sport has had plagiarism issues before, as people who are familiar will know. And it's just continuing. And it's, it's, it's not impressive. Rick, uh, Tamani, what do you think? Question of how would Federer do in an empty stadium? Um, I mean, I, I think in a normal season, I'd agree, but I do think he's coming back from the most serious injury of his career. So I guess he might be a bit more preoccupied with that, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I but imagine that... if it drags on. Imagine if Roger's playing for six months oh, for sure, with yeah. no crowd yeah. for someone yeah. who has has had insane support for every single match. Okay, Here's what, what I think, actually, to this question, when you put it that way. He might just mm-hmm. retire. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, Roger Federer has to be, like, 
you know, staring retirement in the face already as being going through this sort of what this was not a fun injury for him this year. It took a lot longer than they thought, even if he was out, you know, during a good year to miss in a lot of ways. Yeah, I know, think he plays see, the Olympics. You can see a lot more ennui retirements. I think he plays the Olympics no matter what. I think that's the if they happen. Yeah, yeah, if, if they, they happen. happen. I think that's for him the big one is give me one more run at it. And then I agree with you because what's the allure for him? And uh, I mean, it's a lure for us as tennis fans, and he's still the biggest draw probably in all of professional tennis outside of maybe Serena. Um, but yeah, it's just. It'll be weird. Like, no one receives more adoration than Roger Federer on every court he walks mm-hmm. into. And he is, you know, all anyone who played USTA tennis starting in 2000 had a K-factor phase. Like, we all did. We all used it. It was because he was the best. And it's like, yeah, or sorry, if you were a young boy growing up, and or a young man, excuse me. Um, and yeah, like, you would use the K-factor because that's just what you did. It was K-factors and then the Rafa Purero. And just like, it is crazy to think that... I don't know. I also, though, I think he will keep playing Laver Cups until both of his twins have cracked the top 100, both sets of twins. And then he'll be like, okay, it'll be like a LeBron, LeBron Jr. sort of thing. But I I do see him stepping back. There's no way he plays a full season, right? Like maybe he shows up for the slams in one tournament before. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I just, I just, I just sort of feel, you know, to bring it a little bit full circle. Like I do feel like it's just gonna Australia or not. Like imagine Roger Federer in quarantine for fourteen days. Like, yeah, I, I just don't. I just see him like I just imagine his hair like losing its gloss. Like a lot of just things would just like be bad in his life. He had to stay indoors for fourteen days. And all these players, I, I just think it's gonna be tough. I, I, I don't think it's fun right now. I don't think it should be fun right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We just had a record high death count in the U.S. yesterday with like twenty eight hundred people dying in one day. It's like almost close to like nine eleven type numbers for us in one terms one day's deaths in America. Yeah, this uh, world sucks. <laughs> I, think we're, I, think we're, I think we're hitting that mark pretty well. <laughs> I'm just happy, though, that you commented there on his skin quality. You're like, oh, the Roger Federer skin care if he's indoors for two weeks. It's, I, de- it's I devastating said hair. to his image. I said hair, but yeah. Oh, the hair. Yeah, I thought you meant he was going to like start know. breaking out and everything. I was like, yeah, that would be a pubescent fed resurgence is what 2021 needs. Just like a big pimple. Didn't he have one of those big pimples at some point in his career? It was like the whole size of his whole cheek, basically. That was preemie. That was, but that was, he also yeah, had a ponytail. Yeah. Um, but in, in 2009, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I, I have a question for all of you as well. One of my takeaways from 2020, one of the positives, I think, heading into 2021, and uh, it's been attempted elsewhere. If the money was there, obviously, they'd do it more frequently, but more team tennis just a you know make that more a prevalent part of the schedule and i thought world team tennis it was also because nothing was going around uh nothing else was going on but it was a success this year i really know at cracked rackets we'll be pushing college tennis because it seems like they're going to be playing college tennis and it's just like all right I'm, i promise you if you're a tennis fan if you like challengers if you like futures you're going to love the level uh, of college tennis as well curious what you three think is team tennis is there will there be interest from players Obviously, they'd need to have a place to host it first. But that, to me, could solve the regional conundrum of just let's keep everyone in one area. I, all I'm for, I do think that like team tennis is one of the answers to this like whole failure of imagination thing I've been saying. Like in terms of like keeping having single elimination tournaments in different cities or different continents every week is such a bad pandemic model. So that like uh, something something like you know like a Hotman Cup coming back or you know Fed Cup. Davis Cup. Also, those are things to watch, by the way, in 2021, what happens to those events, especially mm-hmm. Davis Cup, because Davis Cup getting canceled uh, by Cosmos and ITF 
in 2020 kind of went under the radar but that canceled pretty early and they must have lost so much money in 2019 when they held it the first time <laughs> that like i don't know what that event is gonna if it survives to 2021 maybe they have to like completely give it up and they actually kind of not that they're half a pandemic but like from a business point of view that they had this pandemic rationale for not holding it again and not bleeding more money i think was probably positive for them so sidebar on that but yeah i, I absolutely I, I i that would team tennis would totally fall into my sort of larger cooperation you know reinvention co- model and it, it but i don't see any momentum for it i mean and, you know there's there's things it's just it's just so hard to get traction and and the big the big four temples of the slams are so entrenched and now they're also uh unmoored because they're moving around the chessboard like you know pissed off queens just like knocking all the little pawns off you know flying them off the board here's just a quick little a little uh clickety clack a little tidbit i'm not saying it's gonna happen but i have heard through the grapevine and if anyone on this call has spoken or heard from car or any of you listeners know about carlos silva he never lets a moment pass by you know never gonna lose out on an opportunity if the 2021 season does not start on time if there is another spike in australia things get pushed back again i'm not saying it's gonna happen but i have heard that world team tennis would consider moving forward that they have talked about it. That having it's having like, like a January season. Yeah, or just like yeah. a little two-week, three-week thing in January, February. Honestly, that's what you need, though. You need like more flexibility, like the more Toggle League, which pops up like randomly at different intervals, like in Brussels one exactly. week or, yeah. you know, like that's, you, you need to be sort of fleet. And like, I think, I do think that the more Toggle League did do that in a way that other leagues didn't in terms of like rising to the moment and like, you know, doing things that you could only do during this time. They kind of did that in a way that like the stale old formula didn't. Um, this show's been pretty long, so I want to wrap it up <laughs> no. soon. But um, especially yeah. to to Reem and Tumani, who've been who are up pretty late in their time zone. So thank you very much about them. Any parting thoughts? Any at more lighthearted anything wishes for for twenty twenty? Besides spending lots of time, maybe getting to see at least one of you in person. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I mean, gosh, who knows? This is but, the uh, longest that we haven't seen each other in person in years, right? Since we I met, feel... definitely since we met, yeah. Yeah, like since what, 2013 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something scary yeah. like that, yeah. So, Mani, uh, any positive? I haven't seen a live <laughs> tennis match in in, in, uh, yeah, in that long since since, since the men's final of the Australian Open. Well, to Mani, you went to the ATP finals, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, how was that? It looked it was, bleak. It was even more bleak than I thought. Just just watching yeah. the... Because I've, I've also been at some football, soccer games here mm-hmm. and we're almost nobody and there were actually more people kind of just hanging around at the ADP finals but being indoors and just in an arena where you could hear like the air conditioning and all these random things Again. happening it was it was not yeah like it, eventually the tennis was good and that you know that was entertaining was in itself but man it, it was depressing it was more depressing than I thought I do think, though, also, like, tennis needs to stop, especially for an indoor tournament, like, stop being in these, like, there's no reason to be in a 20,000-seat arena when it's empty. Mm-hmm. Like, go play in some, like, convenient, this is what the NBA did. The NBA went and played in some conference room somewhere, and granted, mm-hmm. it looked, mm-hmm. it's it, some Disney World, you know, business center, and granted, it looked a little janky, but at time, but they, you got, people got used to it pretty quickly, and just, yeah, tennis is not scaling for like, the moment at the, all. The one, the one, like, fun event was watching Le- Lexington, right, where you saw Venus and Serena yes. on, like, a club court. And that that felt fun. pure. That felt yeah. pure. Like, that was actually one of the highlights of 2020. Well, Courtney and I are going to do a 2020 recap sort of reminiscence. Are we talking about Lexington? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, that's that, what he brought up, that yeah. Was, 
Yeah, yeah. And there's like was, cars was, driving by. You can yeah. see like in the frame constantly. <laughs> there's a lorry that reversed, right? I remember pulling up a map of like the region to like wonder where these cars in Lexington were going. Like if you're going if you're going left right on your screen, you might be headed to Petco to get some more food for your cat during the corner you're heading right. Might be headed to Sushi R Us or whatever. Whatever the Lexington <laughs> fine stops were there. Um But yeah, it's uh it's a it's a it's a wild time. So um, with that, I'd wrap this up. Thank you guys for being here, Reem, Tumani, Alex Gruskin. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you all. Sorry, I cut out there. I know I dropped off. I was like, did they do the wish list? Did oh. I miss it? Did Tumani mention me? Um, it's funny mm-hmm. because I mean, I'm sure you want both wishes. They both come on your show repeatedly during. The <laughs> That's always your. That's always your. You're not subtle about that, but. Um, it was like a bunch of people dropped off during the call. So like the sort of Brady Bunch grid of this Zoom call like flipped and Tumani went from being last to first. He's the only one who didn't disconnect at any point. So congratulations, Tumani. Thanks on, so much. Uh, thank you so on, much. I'm winning this war of attrition. <laughs> thank you. And uh, with that, thank you for listening to NCR. Thank Bye, you, guys. everyone. So thank you very much to Reem, Tumani, and Alex for their time. And we are delighted to say that that was all a bit morose and and negative for you, uh, our current jaded at- attitudes towards tennis. We did, after we finished, realize we did have some positive things left we wanted to say. So we rec- turned the recording back on and recorded a short uh, bonus sort of segment, which I'll put on Patreon. Ten minutes of more positivity, hopeful sorts of fun things about tennis. Because we all still really do like tennis, even if the sport uh, organizationally and culturally has been letting us down quite a bit lately. Uh, so that's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. You can find that and other exclusive content there and sign on if you want to support the show. The listeners who have backed us at the highest levels on Patreon, we thank every episode and we get to do so again here. Our Slam Champ level backers are Liz Cannell, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Chuang Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Susanna W., Jean Simeon, and Antonio Maycumber, and then our Five goat backers, Mike, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, Anna Linder, and J-O-D. That'll do it for us. Courtney and I will be back in the booth soon, virtual booth, with our recording of our Remember When episode, recounting all this sort of fun, whimsical, odd stuff that happened in 2020 and some big picture stuff as well. If you have suggestions for things we should include in that Remember When episode, please send them to us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis or no challenges remaining at gmail.com is our email also subscribe leave us reviews wherever you can those help a lot tell your friends have a wonderful yuletide and we'll see you soon bye guys you've got the looks you've got the beauty side you've got the looks there's no one to like the way you move you do it with ease I must admit you're making I really want is you to show me